building, and then we're going to go right into, I'm going to just have him put a song on just a little bit, and we're going to go into the word. But, you know, you're building, you're adding this. It's so nice to be here in the building. Congratulations. And I just want to encourage you as you're, as you're giving your money and you guys are doing all the practical stuff, just as you're giving, picture, you know, someone, someone in the kitchen, you know, who's having coffee, you know, or who's getting, you know, they're making something. That person was broken. You know, as, as you're putting, as you're giving money to the bathrooms, think of some woman who's in there weeping, you know, who just found out that Jesus really loves her. You know what I mean? As you're, as you're giving to the, to continue to beautify the sanctuary, these are, you're giving to a house that's not made with hands, right? We're building, this is a, this is the physical edifice, but you're, you're building a spiritual house, but you have to do the practical stuff. So I just want to just really encourage you, man, just be generous because they are real people who are going to, who are behind this. So you're not just giving to a building fund, Right. You're given to a spiritual house that has earthly legs. And real people, I'm telling you, beloved, real people are going to be being ministered and healed because you guys are working so hard to make this God's living room, God's living space, where people can come and connect and fellowship. So as we go into the Word now, I have a word from the Lord, I believe, and I want you just to be in a place where you can really begin to hear what the Lord is saying. When I was here last time, it seemed the Lord was highlighting and emphasizing, you know, just healing. And I think that from what even what uh, Christy said, that, you know, the Lord is still doing that. He's transitioning. People were in a season of transition before, right? Many of you are still maybe transitioning. Is that true? But I, I tell you, something feels different here. I'm, I'm telling you, I can feel it. You guys are shifting. You guys are, are, are getting healed. You know, people are not, you know, people are, are, you guys are growing. I mean, and the thing about what I sense about your church is that people who are here are not baby Christians. You just have been through a lot of storms. So the Lord is really, I mean, the Lord is doing a beautiful thing here. And he's doing, a, I think he's doing a really, he's doing, he's taking his time, but he's really looking at his watch. He's like, we're right on schedule. So I just want to encourage you, just keep being encouraged. Let him heal you because you guys, I, I just have in my mind, and I can't say for sure, thus saith the Lord, but I just have a sense that in about two and a half to three years is what I said, I think I said that maybe to Pastor over lunch last time, I think the Lord's going to have some surprises or something that he wants to do. So when the Lord's about is getting ready for something, he gives us assignments early says, okay, get the building ready, get these things ready, so that when I come and do the new thing, you're not tangled up in all the busy stuff, right? So what thou do is do quickly, right? Get the building done, get it beautiful, so that you can really be prepared when the Lord begins to release whatever's coming next, you'll be able to fully give yourself to that and not have to do all that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I want you to put this song on, um, What a Beautiful Name. And I want you to talk to the Lord. My message today is about generational handoffs. And I believe the Lord is speaking about the, the handing off of mantles and passing things on for the generations ahead. But we're also taking what was given to us from the previous generations. And I want you just to begin to ask the Lord as I'm speaking, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I also, you know, when I speak, I'm really a believer that we all need to take corporate responsibility for the word of God. So no one's ever sitting back saying, you know, Lord, hope she can bring it. You know, let's see, let's see what she got. You know, it's not like that. That's not how we do it in the body. It's not how we roll, right? No, when we come, when anyone's up here, everybody's pulling. 
everybody's saying, Lord, you know, I don't want my time wasted. You know, we're saying, Lord, give her something for me. And you're greedy. You're spiritually greedy. You're greedy for your neighbors. And you're saying, so, Lord, let even adjust or change something in her message so that I will leave with what I need to continue my journey. So I want you to take corporate responsibility with me. As this song is praying, begin to have a conversation with the Lord and say, Lord, begin to, let's just all go there together. Put that song on. If you have it, you have it ready for me, guys, in the back? Go ahead and put it on. Oh, we love you. So, Father, we just say yes, yes, and amen. What a powerful name. You can have your seat. Oh, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. So I just, in my short time, I just have a word from the Lord. It's going to encourage you. And um, it's a message about generational handoffs. And, you know, we just, um, I I lose my breath because I'm in a higher altitude. (laughs) Help your child, Lord. Help her. Anyway. Anyway, so, um, you know, even with the passing of Billy Graham, how many of you got to see the memorial? You just could sense that something, someone really significant had left. And there's just this sense that we're in this transition. You know, we really are in it. We're not waiting. We're in it now. And so mantles are being passed on. And it's important that we extract from the previous generations the best and also that we spit out any bones. Uh, what really didn't work for them either, right? And so I just want to, I felt like I'm supposed to bring a little kind of a prop today to kind of talk about the idea of the handoff. So I'm wondering, do we have anybody, very quickly, you were in track and you did like the relay. Come on up, you brother, get up here. Anybody else, was, you were in track? Who else? Come on up. This, um, Zedron, you come, come on up. Let's have, yeah, let's have you guys. And you're going to, you come and help them. Okay, okay. Guys, Okay. <laughs> So, 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 so you're going to, so, okay. So, in fact, we'll do, we'll, we'll, we'll do a three-person handoff. So, Zon, you're here at the, you're the, the last runner. You're in the middle. You stay there. We need one more runner. Have a, let's get a four, four-legged race. Come on up. Where, who's, who are you pointing at? Where? Get them up here. Come on. Yeah. Woohoo! Come on up. Yeah, Jeff, come on. Okay. So we have the idea of one generation handing off. Guys, get in position. You're facing the direction of the race. The race is going that way. There you go. And so in a race, what needs to happen is that there's what's called the transition zone, right? And in that transition zone, the previous runner has to make the handoff, okay? And there's a moment in time where both people are running at the same space. Now, I want you to hear with the spirit what I'm saying to you. Because when we give handoffs, we don't come to a dead stop and then give it. Now, that'll preach right there. Because we lose momentum if we come to a dead stop. No, this thing is handed off while this guy is still running his race. And then this guy's got to already start running his race. And he's got to make sure he gets it in there. And he's got to make sure he takes it. All right? So these guys, they're all running. Come on, boys. Get your running thing on, okay? All right. And you got your hand back. Get your hand back ready for the hand. I've got one hand back, right? Because you're ready to catch it. All right, now go hand it. Keep running. Hand it. And take it. Give him, give him, take. All right. And then he's going to take off running. But the idea, go boy, just, just run. Yeah. But, but the idea, the idea though, thank you, thank you. The idea... Run! 
But the idea, thank you guys, but the idea is that the race never stops because we're in a continual race that began before us. And we're continuing momentum that was set in motion by those who were before us. And we don't want to lose momentum in this race by coming to a dead stop and having a complete restart of what was already started. Now that'll preach a little bit right there. So I want to begin by sharing a personal story. And it's just the whole idea that you've heard the expression that we all stand on the shoulders of those, right, who came before us. <clears throat> and um, in other words, we're not where we are today because of our own works and even our own prayers. So here's a story, a personal story. Um, and before I get into that, let me just say this too, is that I want to build today's message around the idea of our generational inheritance and basically the ones that we receive from our fathers. And I'm looking at three categories of fathers. Our biological fathers, our spiritual fathers, and our transitional fathers. So none of us gets where we are on our own. And so my own story and my own generational history is that one day when I was getting ready to go minister at a church, I, I um, was looking in the mirror, combing my hair, and, and I was looking at myself and I just was thinking about all God had done in my life. And I thought, you know, I, I didn't get here by myself. I thought, Lord, who, did, did someone pray something in my generation? Who, who was that? Because I feel like I've inherited somebody else's spiritual pocket change, you know? I didn't pray that hard to get where I am. What happened? And as I said that, I began to have an open vision of a person. I, I, they kind of like appeared in my spiritual eyes, right? I saw this woman, and she was African-American. She was black. Well, she was black. She had a round face, and she was wearing um, a white cloth the way the old slaves would wrap a cloth around their head. And she was very dark, and she had her face was kind of moist. And she had a really serene smile. And I, I said, Lord, is that the woman in my generation who first came to know you? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, yes. And so I began to weep. And I began to think about her because she would have been the slave, probably the one who survived what was called the horrible Middle Passages, where they packed the slaves in ships like sardines. And many of those people didn't survive coming on the slave ships. And so I'm always mindful of the fact that I am here today because someone, on, someone in my bloodline did not die. They didn't die, and that's why I'm here. They survived that horrible middle passage in the bottom of those hot ships. Um, they were laying sometimes next, lying, sometimes next to rotting corpse. Um, they survived. And so Mama Annie was possibly one of those people. In fact, I called her. I gave her name. I called her Mama Annie. So I'm going to call you Mama Annie. I think that's... Maybe your name, or I'm just going to call you that when I think about you. And I began to weep as I began to think about her. And as I prayed, I said, Lord, what is it about her? And I just had the sense the Lord was saying that she prayed some prayers in her generation that are affecting me today. And one of the things I felt that she prayed was she wanted to go back home to Africa. You know, because she probably was praying, Lord, get me back home. I don't know how she came to know the Lord, but I have a sense that she met the Lord. But I believe that she was praying to return back to the homeland. And, and I believe the Lord made a covenant with her that she would make it back. So anyway, so then about two weeks later, I'm at a church ministering. <clears throat> I was getting ready to sing at that church. And the, um, somebody, the minister prophesied to me. 
And he said, someone in your generation who lived three, four, no, five generations ago, they prayed for a cleansing and a healing in your generation. And when he said that, I, I thought it was a confirmation of the vision that I had, that it was someone five generations ago that had made a covenant with God, and that somehow I was reaping the spiritual benefits of what that person had prayed. Okay, so now fast forward. Now it's, it's um, gosh, maybe five, six years later, and I'm getting ready to head to Africa to do some conferences, to speak. It's my first time going to Africa, and I'm just kind of praying, you know, lying on the couch, just praying. And I said, Lord, you know, when I get to, what are you going to do in Africa? Why, why am I going to Africa? And the, the Holy Spirit very clearly said this. He said, he said when, you, when your feet step on African soil, he said, you will be the fulfillment of a promise I made to Annie. Because when she prayed to get back home, I answered her. But because of the bondage and the time and period in which she lived, I would have to answer her prayers, you know, five generations later through her, her ancestor. So when you step on African soil, you'll be bringing Annie home. So then I'm speaking at a church there with all of the sweet little mamas who work in the orphanage and the pastors and leaders. I'm speaking and I'm sharing this story, this vision of Mama Annie and telling them about the history and all that. And of course, they're weeping. And when you go to Africa, some, some of us, you know, they all say that you're from Uganda or you're from Kenya. Oh, you look like a Kenyan. You're from one of us. And you're like, okay, great. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that day I was Ugandan. So I was, I was in Uganda. And so anyway, <laughs> and they, gave me a, they gave me a Ugandan name called, uh, what was it? Marembe is my Ugandan name. So anyway, it means peaceful one. So anyway, so I'm, I'm sharing this message. And after it was over, these People, mamas and these uh, children and other people, young men are running up to me and they're going, welcome home, Mama Ani. And I'm like weeping. I like the ugly, like snot weeping. You know, it's not, it's not pretty, you know. I am weeping because I'm realizing that moment that God has kept a promise and I am five generations later fulfilling a promise made to a woman. So I begin with that story because I want you to also be thinking today about that while you're even sitting here today, there are people before you that prayed prayers that are still circling the throne. I picture the Lord as, you know, he's not, he's in eternity, so he's not locked in time. So he's kind of got headphones on. He's hearing praise, prayers prayed. He's hearing prayers that, prayers that will be prayed. So, you know, those prayers are still important to him and we're all be reaping the benefits of the prayers and the and the covenants that have gone before us. And so I know that um, in every generation, in every history, um, everybody has, every generation has strengths. And so I know that in, in my people, I come from a people who were well acquainted with suffering, um, intercession, um, and that they've handed something to me. And so I'm a descendant of these people. And so I, I carry their DNA. And, and that is perseverance and suffering um, and a love for freedom. You know, if you've ever heard a black choir sing, how many of you have heard a black choir sing? There's a, there's a sound, isn't there? It's a unique sound. But see, that sound is coming from the DNA of a people. It really is. Every generation has a sound. When I was speaking a couple of weeks ago, um, Danielle was with me. She travels and helps me at times. We were speaking to a, a group of Slavic church 
in Spokane. And so these are all, about 90% of them were all from the former Soviet Union. They're all immigrants. The services were, we were using Russian translators literally in the whole service. And then when their choir was singing, and I also was in a Slavic church in Pennsylvania, I heard the sound. It's the sound of the people who came out of suffering and, and had to stand for their faith. There's a sound. And it's in the DNA. And so I'm sharing this message with you today because just as I have a DNA, you have a DNA, and even in my DNA as, as a person from African-American descent, you know, there's, there's, also, there's positive things and there's also liabilities within your, um, within your generational history. And in mine, you know, we had broken families because of slavery. You know, fathers couldn't protect their children or their wives, they'd be sold off. And so you still see that today in many in my culture, where we see a lot of the family, the, the, the absentee father, but see that, that's, been, that's a historical pattern that we're having to overcome as a people. So every generation has both positive things and also liabilities. So we have our generational inheritance from our biological fathers, like what I just described, our spiritual fathers, and the spiritual fathers are those individuals who really are there in our very early um, birthing into the kingdom of God. And um, they have also handed something off to us as well. And then we have our transitional fathers, those people who parent us as we're growing older in the things of Christ. And so we're gathering this, this supernatural, so to speak, um, inheritance that's really shaping the person that we are, our own personal DNA. And so I look at my own life, and, you know, I, I was raised in Southern California. I came into Christ at the tail end of the Jesus People movement. And um, so some of my, you know, I was with YMAM for a season. Um, I went to ORU. And so all those things are in my DNA. And they make up the person that I am today. And I'm so grateful for my history. But there are also some liabilities in that. You know, there are also some things that were not so cool in some of the things that I've walked through. And then even later, some of my um, transitional fathers. When I, and that represents the ministries and churches maybe that you've been through. Does that make sense? People who fathered you. But I want to say that I'm the person I am because of both the, the, the good and the liabilities. And here's why. Because some of my transitional fathers, you know, um, some of their weaknesses were they, I can think of one of my early fathers, where they had, um, you know, it, it was really strong in deliverance and passion, but it was really, really poor on discipleship. Any of you re relate to any of that? But I will tell you something. I'm the person I am today because of both the strengths and the liabilities. And here's why. Because I learned passion and intercession in that first golf season, but because there was a lack of discipleship and because I suffered because of it, it is now, it's, discipleship is one of my core beliefs, passions. And I developed that passion for discipleship and relational ministry because of my deficit. And had I not had that, I would not have had a passion. So for me, that, that's a non-negotiable. I only do ministry out of relationship. But see, but those things were, those things were also my teachers. Then I, I've been in a season where some of the transitional fathers were, and I'm kind of moving quickly just because of time here, so I just want to get to the meat and the bones here. So other transitional fathers where um, it was there that I really cut my teeth on the prophetic, you know, 
And I learned how to do, I became skilled in deliverance that I now do wherever I go. But the deficits from those fathers were that there was like no community, you know, like no community. And so, so because of those deficits, community is like really important to me. And I look for it and I cultivate it. I was telling them, the sisters at the retreat that I don't do anything without community. And the, the entire retreat we were on, I was WhatsApping my pastor, updating, updating our intercessors. They, they were all with me, praying for me through the service, sending me encouraging words, you know, pray for this. We got your back. So all of that came out of the deficits. So I want to say to you is that you need both. You really do need both. The tendency is when, either, and even in your biological parents, like, you know, I came from a family where there were some things that were not good that were happening, um, that were very painful. But even in my own family, the deficit as a young person created in me this desire to go after God with all my heart. And had my home life not been difficult, I mean, I was a bus ministry kid. I wasn't being taken to church in the family car. I'm on the corner waiting for the church bus. <laughs> with shoes polished and everything, right? And on Wednesday evenings, I'm hustling a ride to youth group. But see, and then and I was in my bedroom on my own with the Bible, and I had to learn how to hunt and kill and gut my own word. You know what I mean? Hunt that word down, kill it, gut it, skin it, cook it. You know what I mean? I had to learn how to, how to bake my own word at home. So those deficits made me and, I, I, and what I'm offering to you about this generational handoff thing is that you need to be willing to look at where you've come from and what has been handed to you, both the positive and the negative. And you need to take that with you as you're running your race because you need it for the journey. You need it. The tendency is when we leave one place from our generational parents, is this making sense to you? Our tendency is to go, okay, so done with that. So done with you guys. You never do that. Not you. Only others of us. Others. But the rest of us, our tendency is to go, you know, we're so done with that. And we're going to do this and this and this. But you don't realize that you must need to have gone through Samaria. You really needed that because it's what's made you. It's, what, it's part of your DNA. And the Lord put you there and gave you those fathers, biolog your biological history, your spiritual fathers, and your transitional. The Lord did that. And you, we can wrestle on the floor here. We can get down and I can fight you. We can, there's room, but this is the truth. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not dressed to wrestle, but I will go with you if you need to. <laughs> and let me tell you an example why. Look, look at Joseph. His brothers, this guy had a vision early in his life. He was passionate for God early. And he ends up literally in a pit. And then he ends up in Potiphar's house. He thought that was going to be his full-time job. That was his internship. He was going to be a short little two-year internship. We're going to train him for the next thing. Then he's put in a prison illegally. And he's kept there a long time. And thinks he's going to get out soon. And, he, and he's been there a long time. Can you say a long time? Long Some of us have been in a prison a long time. But I'm telling you, he needed to be there. And the Lord allowed that. The Lord allowed that because it was part of his training. 
And then finally, when he gets delivered, it's a suddenly, and he ends up in, suddenly he is like, he's like next in command of the most powerful man in that world. It's a sudden transition. But all those years were training him. He was being trained to be a world leader because he was going to create a, a, um, a food ministry or a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, a food distribution program that was going to save a nation and the, and the promised seed, Messiah. So he couldn't just be anybody. His training had to be specific. And he had, see, when he was in the internship, he didn't know it was an internship in Potiphar's house in the prison, he was taking classes he didn't sign up for. Yeah. Right? Like, I didn't sign up for abuse 101. I didn't sign up for roadkill, you know, 205, whatever, you know. I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> but the Lord said, you need this course. You need this course. Because you're going to deal with difficult people, broken people. And this is your fast track. You need that handoff. Take that. And in scripture, we see examples of people who were given generational handoffs. You know, we see Eli and Samuel. And I want to say that some of our trainers and fathers, biological fathers, our transitional fathers, our spiritual fathers, were really imperfect people. And that's, where, that's what's trippy. Yeah. Can I just be real? Yeah. That'll trip you up because you're like, this person, I remember once, let me just tell you something silly about myself. I was talking to the Lord about one of my fathers or leaders, and I'm and, and like, Lord, you never deal with this person. You never deal with them. They get away with everything. And I stood there in my living room with my hand on my hip, and I said, you know what's wrong with you, Lord? You're, 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 you're codependent. I told the Lord God Almighty, Pastor Jay, that he was codependent, and I meant it. Meant it. You're codependent. You don't deal with people. <laughs> codependent. But, you know, an example would be like, you know, all of our fathers are imperfect. And an example of that would be, you know, Eli um, was the adopted father of Samuel, right? You know the story? And so the scripture says that, you know, Eli, he, he was codependent. Wasn't he? I mean, he tolerated his sons who were really evil kids. And he didn't deal with them. He really enabled them. But, um, but he ends up being the, the, the spiritual father of um, Samuel. Now, Samuel could have just said, you know, look, dude, you, you are so messed up. I don't have anything to receive from you. We could park right there. But when it came to the things of the spirit... Eli had not lost that because when the God was getting ready to move on Samuel, there was a handoff he needed to go where he was going. And, Samuel, and, and Eli may have been a little messed up, a little codependent, but there was wisdom out in that little fat man because he, he was a fat man. <laughs> well, the Bible says he was overweight, so come on. He was fat. But he wasn't too fat to still have an anointing. And when the voice of God came to young Samuel, Samuel's clueless because he's not been exposed to that in his generation. But the past generation had. 
So when he came to his spiritual father and said, are you calling me? After a few times, his father remembered back from his day, oh, this is God calling you. Let me give you some instruction now. When you hear the voice again, get in your bed. Okay, lay down. When you hear the voice again, you say, Lord, speak. Your servant's listening. He needed the prophetic skill sets of his little fat, dysfunctional, <laughs> codependent father. You, are you hearing me? Are you really hearing me? I'm telling you, I know many of you, this place is full of people who are still trying to mark, mark, wipe off the marks from all the, the hedge stuff you hit. You still got bandages that your shirts are covered from the wounds in the last season. <laughs> But I'm telling you, beautiful people, you have been trained because what is coming in the future? And as you will begin to embrace your history, take that baton and hand it off. And don't leave back, don't, don't leave the, even the things that you don't like because you need both. Don't write off your history. There's a scripture the Lord gave me for you and he said, I've lost the time to look up the address, but it says, look to the rock from which you were hewn. You came out of that core. You were dug out of that core for a reason. And there's something in your DNA that's creating a sound out of you that a generation needs to hear. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes when we're looking back, this is important, on our generational history of where we've been. This could even just be the family you came from that was dysfunctional. Maybe your father or mother was a really hard person and not a loving person, but they taught you how to endure. They taught you how to deal with difficult, taught you how to manage money, you know? Here's another example of a generational handoff, Moses, excuse me, and Jethro. Jethro, was it like an, a transitional father, right? He was Moses' father-in-law, but Jethro was basically heathen. He was. He got really saved later, you know? But, but here's the thing. He still gave Moses a handoff because Jethro knew how to manage people. And Jethro had, knew how to bear the heat of the desert because he was a desert dweller. This heathen man still gave a handoff and he taught him how to manage people. Listen, beloved, if you are too quick to dismiss where you've come from, you're not, you're, you're not going to be ready for what's coming. You've got you to take the time to do a personal inventory and say, now, what did I really learn there? Yeah, I did have to wipe the blood off every day because I, I was bleeding out at times. But something happened in me. And if I'll take the hand off, and not throw it down, I won't lose the momentum. Because we are running one race. I am personally running a race that began 600 years ago when a woman in my generation said yes. And that mantle has traveled down and it's found me and I took it. And now I'm handing this my mantle off to people coming after me. And I'm not perfect either, but I know more than they do about certain things. So the Lord is wanting to encourage you today and say, listen, the things that you experienced in the past, because you guys have been in the oven baking, many of you, and you've been cooking, you've been on the rotisserie cook, the slow cook, 
You know, you're going, get me out of here. And the Lord can smell you. He's going, but I love the way you're smelling, you know. You know, get me out of here. He sticks the, sticks the fork in you and you're still red on the Closes the door. No, don't close the door. <laughs> but Antioch, I'm telling you, I walked in here today and I could smell the, I could smell the aroma. You guys are smelling good. Okay. Just a little bit longer in the oven. But you guys, you guys are about to be a meal for a city. And let me encourage you with this as well. The things in the past that were painful, Guys, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Just chew that meat and swallow it, but don't, don't vomit out. Don't projectile vomit out the whole thing, okay? Don't projectile vomit the whole thing because there's nutrition in some of that stuff. It was painful. It was ugly, but it's helped make you. I don't like all the things I've been through and the mistakes I've made along the way, but I'm a kinder, gentler Shanae Tucker. I like the person those trials have made. So here's an assignment, because you guys know as a former professor at ORU, I have this habit of giving homework. It just, just feel like you need homework. And that's for those of you that want the extra credit, right? <laughs> that aren't content with just getting a message baked on from the stage, but you want to go home and bake your own bread. Yeah? So here's what I encourage you to do this week in the next three days. While it's fresh, now if you wait, you're, you're not going to have the momentum of what you're feeling now, the conviction. I want you to take some time, go to your favorite coffee shop or, you know, lock yourself in the bathroom if you've got a lot of kids or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Preach, yeah. And I want you to identify, first of all, your biological family and write down maybe three things that you received from them. I don't care how bad or how crazy your family was. I promise you, there is something in your DNA that you need that has made you. And then I want you to, so make a list of your fathers. And then I want you to ask the Lord, why did you need that for your journey? And then I want you to pray for them. If they're in heaven, just thank the Lord. Just say a prayer of blessing, forgive and release them. You know, I'll just say this real quick. You know, remember, I told the ladies this before at our, at our retreat. You know, Hannah, the story of Hannah, Hannah who was barren, right? She was barren. She wasn't barren because she was um, cursed. She was barren because she was blessed. Because the Lord was about to use her as an incubator for a prophet. So he couldn't just use anybody. So he had to give her a long period of preparing. But he used Peninnah her household enemy, right? Remember the story of Panana who was had, popping out babies all the time and probably mocking Hannah, but God used Panana to push Hannah to pray a prayer that was bigger than her original. Her original prayer was, give me, give me a, a son. But year after year of being provoked by um, Panana, she ends up praying a prayer, Lord, give me a child and he'll be yours all the days of his life. And the idea there is that Hannah wanted a son, but God wanted a prophet. And because of Hannah, they both got what they wanted. 
Sometimes the Lord is using your enemy as a midwife. Sometimes the spiritual fathers, transitional fathers, bio fathers, were, the Lord used them because it's part of your training because you're not just anybody. This is a healing station. You guys, you guys are specialized healing station. I'm telling you, this is a part of, this is not all because there's more instruction coming, I believe, in a few years. But you are a base camp hospital. You hear me? For people who are coming right off the battlefield and they're stumbling in these doors and some of them are just literally bleeding out in front of you. And you guys are medics who are immediately rushing in to give aid and to help them breathe again and to help them not lose their faith. Some of them are about ready to literally say, I'm done. But this is like the base camp hospital before you get back thrown to the States. If they don't heal you on the battlefield, you won't make it home. You are that in this season. That is not all that you are, I promise you. But that's what you are in this season. So you're going to make a list of your fathers. And then you're going to do the same assignment with your spiritual fathers. Do this privately. Get your journal out. This is for your eyes only. You can share it with your spouse if you want to. And do the same thing. What did they give you? What were the liabilities that also trained you and helped you? You're going to bless them with your mouth and say, thank you, Lord, for the trainers. You're not saying it wasn't painful. It's okay. To, yeah, to be true, it was painful. But, Lord, I thank you. And then pray for them. And then you're going to do the same thing for your transitional fathers. Does that make sense? And then you're going, and here's the, here's the final assignment. And this is, you've got to ask the Lord about this. If the Lord really prompts you and be open to it, you might want to write them a letter. If they're alive. Now, that's going to really hurt some of you to have to do that. Because you're going to feel your flesh start to go, right? But, I'm t but you want to speed your own healing? You want to you you get out of, of, of ICU? And get down to, you know, where the nurse just comes in a few times a, day, a, a week? You want to you wanna speed the healing? Write a letter. And thank them. For what you received and don't add the addendum because you really were horrible you know don't <laughs> don't add that leave that out and if you do do not put my name next to it because I didn't tell you to do that okay and for extra extra credit if you really feel you if the Lord's given you grace and take out invite him out for breakfast or lunch no Shanae no to do it and pay for it no! <laughs> now, final caution. Some doors you can't go back through because the people are destructive. And, and you would do more damage. So pray about it. You hear me? Some doors you can't go back through because they don't have the health. And it would just bruise you again. And you'd, we, then we need to come pick you up and take you to the surgery room because you'd get hurt again. But ask the Lord if he wants you to do that because it will speed your healing. Beloved, we are in a race that started years before us. You need everything from the past because it's part of your DNA. God intentionally allowed you to go through that path because you needed those ingredients in your life suit. Eat the meat, spit out the bones, and run your race. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're leaving, you're enabling Antioch to pick up the full mantle 
that goes back generations. That they will walk out the fullness of a race that began before they enter this building. That they will run their race. And because they are all that you call them to be, they will fulfill their earthly assignment to the glory of God. And when the books of eternity are open, the record will show they finished well. In Jesus' name, amen.